This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Yossi Sampson Folk, here to detail for you the Raptors' 93-92 victory over the Chicago Bulls in what was uh, a game that dragged on, had a lot of uninspired hoops in it, both teams on the on a back-to-back. But, uh, you know, a win is a win. It counts the same as any other, even if it wasn't maybe the bellwether for where the Raptors are headed and their ideal style of play. They did get the win tonight, and... At the end of the year, when they start to go into the playoffs and the seeding is all done up, I, this means the same as the 101-93 win against the 76ers. But let's uh, let's get into it. The game started out really loose in that both teams were getting passed around. I believe the Bulls had a season high in assists tonight, and that was because both teams, the Bulls included, obviously, were passing around the other. And found a lot of success finding open shooters, a lot of side-top-side action early in the first quarter. The Bulls, that led to them getting their season high in assists. And the Raptors, them being able to, you know, insert more of Siakam's offense into the game. Something that's been missing a little bit. Pascal, in particular, did a really good job of taking care of Laurie Markkanen in his matchup, both defensively 
and offensively, getting to take him into the post a couple times, spacing the floor at other times, and I thought he did a great job, and that started out really well for him in the first quarter. That did end up fading, and while his his defensive effort definitely didn't drop off, I thought Pascal had a very good defensive game. It was the offensive effort that, after the first quarter, had a bit of a drop-off. For the Bulls, Thomas Sadoransky, Zach Levine had a pretty good start to the game, just getting the Raptors' defense to turn moving the ball to the weak side and hitting shots when it came. Zach Levine more as the shooter, Thomas Sadoransky getting in the teeth of the defense, having creative passes to rim runners and guys who are hanging out on the weak side, and that sustained the Bulls' offense early, and the Raptors' defense ended up catching up, but initially didn't have uh, what it took to stop the Bulls' defense as they got a lot of good shots, and that's been a four or five game development for the Raptors in that the type of shots they're incentivizing for teams to take against them are coming back to bite them in the butt a little bit and the Raptors on the other side are shooting worse than they ever have at this point in the season so still waiting on the other shoe to drop a return to form is what we're all waiting for but there were a lot of efforts in this game that helped the Raptors keep working through even though the game didn't come easy even though the offense didn't come easy after that first quarter the Raptors were able to work and manufacture enough offense obviously to win 93-92 at the end of the game and a lot of that had to do with Norman Powell's really a a punchy effort in this one he uh he was really good against the Bulls I thought he did a great job attacking as a straight line driver and he put pressure on the Bulls defense in a way that other players maybe weren't wanting to his speed his athleticism did put the Bulls up against a wall at times and his ability to beat the help side defense to the glass kiss it off the glass and let the ball fall into the rim was nice. It wasn't a terrific shooting game for him from beyond the arc, but I thought that his ability to get to the rim was a boon for the Raptors in this one and something they're looking for for as long as he's in the starting lineup instead of Fred Van Vliet. Marcus Gasol, this was one of his best games of the year. It was a masterclass in how to stunt and rebound and box out and just play terrific rim defense against the Bulls I thought he was so good an integral cog of the Raptors defense in this one and offensively had a lot of well not a lot of but had some important offensive rebounds down the stretch of this game he passed the ball well he didn't have a tragic shooting night and like I said his defense was exceptional in this one and I was really happy with all of his rotations it's he doesn't really miss much he is not as athletically gifted as a lot of other players in this league But his defensive brain really does a lot of work. His timing, if he gets into position, even if a player gets the ball around the rim, they still can't score over Gasol because he's a big guy and he's constantly applying that pressure, pushing them away from the rim so that if they do go up, they're falling away from the rim. That becomes a pretty difficult touch shot, especially when he's contesting on top of that. So there there was a lot of plays where the Bulls got the ball to funnel towards the rim and Wendell Carter Jr. had a lot of trouble scoring over top of Gasol or even not just throwing up a brick or turning the ball over when one of Powell or Lowry came in for a dig to try and steal the ball away. Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr., to be honest, both of them had a lot of trouble finishing on the inside and that was a credit to both Gasol and Siakam. I thought that the front court was really, really special in this game, defensively that is. And there were some weird lineups in this one. We saw the 
Ibaka at center, Boucher at the four, and Siakam at the three in the second quarter, and also to start the fourth quarter. Interesting looks from Nurse. Didn't find a ton of success with that, but I I love when you're trying out new things against the bottom feeders of the league. The Bulls definitely qualify as not a great team. Nick Nurse thought that this was an opportunity to try some new things out. He tried that out there. Ibaka, for his part, was an absolute menace. He killed the Bulls on their own defensive glass. He was eating rebounds up tonight and putting a lot of pressure, getting them stuck under their own rim a lot of the time. And that was a big, big piece of how the bench was able to sustain against the Bulls tonight. And even though it wasn't his most efficient night ever, and he's still trying to find how to insert himself into the offense, and Ibaka's trying to figure out how he's going to get to his spots to make his shots, which he's been kind of out of sorts offensively since his return, especially compared to he was really, really good to start the season, like near near all-star level play from the center position from him to start the year. So seeing him struggle and try and figure out where to get his shots from and where to be on offense is, is a bit vexing, I guess, but that's just the Raptors with... Lowry and Ibaka back in tow need to figure out how guys are going to get back into the the swing of things, honestly. And even though Ibaka wasn't able to get back into a comfortable position where he's getting the shots he's used to, he put a lot of pressure on the Bulls, on the boards, and got after it. But even with all that, the Raptors still, they failed to score over 20 points in the second quarter. They went into the second half trailing down two. And both teams were pretty laissez-faire about a lot of different aspects of the game. And the Raptors, while the defense was good at times, there was also some laboring from the Bulls offensively, and the same goes for the Raptors offensively and the Bulls defensively. Lowry, when he was in the game, was trying to drag them uphill, but his shot wasn't really going, so he was really, there's a lot of gamesmanship in Lowry tonight and how he was baiting fouls and a lot of creative passes. He was trying to always attack the mismatch if he ever got a switch up top lobbing it into one of Ibaka, Boucher, Siakam, Ananobi, whoever had the smaller guard on them, whether it was Kobe White, Chris Dunn, whomever. And Lowry was, because he saw that the Raptors offense was a bit of a slog and things weren't moving as naturally and as fluid as they have in past games, and not past games, but a couple games back, that Lowry knew Sometimes in games like this, you just need a big guy to score over a little guy. Was constantly looking for stuff like that, and he was dragging the Raptors at times. I thought it was it was an impressive game from him, especially considering he didn't shoot the ball well. He really willed the Raptors through certain spurts of the game, and they certainly they certainly had to be willed through certain parts of the game. And that that was something that OG Ananobi took up in the third quarter. I thought that that was his quarter specifically. He was. A menace. He had a couple nice cuts getting to the rim. He was filling the lane on the fast break. And he was also a hawk above the break defensively. I think he stole two passes in the quarter that were either wing to point or point to wing and started the Raptors out on the break. He had a few standout defensive rotations and he injected a lot of energy into the Raptors when it seemed like they were bereft of it, that they didn't have any. And he he was big time in that quarter, and that was really nice to see. And it looked like he was carrying the mantle of the Raptors' best player over from last game. And in the middle of all this, you still have Pascal Siakam getting the odd touch, 
still getting a bucket every once in a while. Same with Kyle Lowry or Norman Powell. These guys chipping in throughout the game, but OG Ananobi having a standout spurt in the third quarter that the Raptors desperately needed. And the Raptors, they tied things up going into the fourth, then fell eight points down. This was a tough game for Terrence Davis. He had a pretty tough game tonight. And on one end, the Raptors were really struggling to score. And on the other, the Bulls unleashed Daniel Gafford, who was, he was sublime this night. He was a terrific rim runner. And I thought, wow, cool that the Bulls picked up a guy who can do this. It reminded me of young Clint Capella, young Montrez Harrell, these really physical rim runners who become lob threats and have decent rotations defensively. And kind of like what we see from Chris Boucher, except the Raptors haven't had to feature Chris Boucher as a role man that much yet this year. The Bulls obviously went that route going to Daniel Gafford on the lob. I think there were seven or eight attempted lobs in this game to him. I think he caught four or five. And that's and that really speaks to how much they trust him in the air. And he was he was dynamite tonight. He put a lot of pressure on the Raptors to start the fourth quarter. He really helped the Bulls open up that eight point lead. And with Terrence Davis at the helm, the Raptors offense stalled out and the Raptors were just waiting for something to kick back in. The Raptors, it ended up being Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell taking over at the end of the game. And takeover is kind of putting it lightly because the offense was really, really not that impressive in this one. But Lowry and Powell did score to lift the Raptors up in this one. Powell really pushing in transition. Lowry kind of gaming the officials that layup at the end of the game where he bowled into the lane and boof, hit Gafford with that nice shoulder pushed him on his butt under the rim, Lowry finished up top, and Lowry, he's going to do that once or twice every game, I mean, he's a bowling ball headed towards the bucket, Siakam went after it and got one mismatch, scored a nice little baby hook in there, well, maybe a push shot, not a hook, he doesn't really have a hook shot, but a nice little push shot for Siakam, and the Raptors cobbled together just enough points to take this one home, it was a tough game, the Raptors, they played Pretty pretty good defense and really bad offense for a lot of it. The Bulls at the end found a way to break into the Raptors 3-2 zone. They just sent Daniel Gafford running down the middle of it. And he's an agent of chaos in a way because it's just if the floor is open and there's a lane to the rim, Daniel Gafford's going to get after it. OG with a terrific rotation, had a great stop off the start. Gafford got his own miss, put it back in, and there's a reason that the Bulls were plus 14 with Gafford on the floor because he was a menace and he he really broke up the Raptors' defense. He was too quick for a lot of the rotations on the back end, and the lob threat really did undo a lot of what the Raptors were trying to stop. And yeah, that's how the Bulls were in this at the end of the game. There was a couple Denzel Valentine threes that dropped. Chris Dunn hit a three, and you're wondering, okay, is this how this game ends? But the Raptors, they pulled it together. Lowry, Palasiaka manufactured enough offense, just enough to get them over the hump. And then when it came down to it, the Bulls ran an ATO. They tried to get Levine going to the rim. Levine missed probably a wide-open Gafford for either a nice little bounce pass or a lob pass, and he probably would have a game-winning dunk. But Levine tried to put the ball up. The ball obviously didn't go in the bucket. The ball spilled out, and the ball went, and Powell collected it. And by that time, the 
The time had run out and the Raptors had won the game. Not their best win of this year. A pretty ugly game altogether, but a win is a win, as I stated at the start of this podcast, and there's there's a lot of work to be done for the Raptors to get things back on track. That much is obvious, but getting out of Chicago with a win, going back home, getting ready to try and beat Kawhi Leonard's Clippers, there's a recipe to get things back on track, and there's a way for this to work out, a blueprint, and the Raptors, you know, it's not too late for them, not nearly at all. So we're all waiting for that to happen, waiting for that really fun brand of basketball to come back in some way, shape, or form. You could see it in glimpses tonight, but it was not very often. This was a grinded-out game, but the Raptors, they did their thing. The Reggie Evans Award goes to Kyle Lowry tonight because even though he didn't provide a ton of great shooting in this one, he, I think, took two charges and drew two or three loose ball fouls. He was constantly digging after balls and making the Chicago bigs feel uncomfortable in the paint. He was a a massive presence defensively, and he did so much tireless work offensively to create easy looks for his teammates, and his will was tireless. He got after it in this one, and he was dragging the Raptors at times, and I thought, that's a Reggie Evans award for sure. I was really happy with how Kyle Lowry played, despite not having his jump shot going for him. The top quick reaction comment from Aaron Franklin. These last few games, Lowry reminds me of the old Lowry who played with DeRozan, just trying to muscle and force stuff at key moments. He needs to get back to patient and smart Lowry. Um, I think that there was a lot of patience exhibited. It's just, the I think the shots you're thinking of were end of shot clock takes. There was not a lot of motion in the Raptors offense. And a lot of the plays that we saw last year... And maybe to start this year, I'm not sure what you're referring to with patient Lowry because stylistically he's much different this year. Even if you're referring to the first 10 games of the year or something than he was last year, especially as far as drawing free throws, getting to the rim. And he's he's not just taking three-point shots and passing the ball out of the pick and roll this year. That's Fred Van Vliet transitioning into the starting lineup has afforded Lowry a bit more leeway to be aggressive offensively so I'm I'm guessing you're referring to the the regular season last year where he was dropping around 12-13 assists per game for a long stretch and that the Raptors offense has to be free-flowing and spaced out for him to do that I think that at least from my eye watching this game this game was clunky and warranted some bowling ball drives to the rim I obviously thought that the pass was there at the end where he hit the side of the backboard. The pass back out to OG seemed like the play. He tried to force it up, but I have no problem with the way Lowry played tonight. I thought that it was necessary for how clunky and in a funk the Raptors' offense was. And with Pascal tired and playing really good defense on the other end and really not having it offensively to keep going at players... Having Lowry put the pressure on the Bulls' defense seemed like a necessary thing for the Raptors to have in this one. I I don't think that this is an indication that he's moved away from being patient and unselfish. I think that this is what the game called for. And, you know, it's it's only been a couple games. We have Lowry's whole career to look upon. He's not a selfish player. He's one of the most cerebral, smartest players in, in the league. 
and there re- there's a reason why he was so good and could be the starting point guard on an NBA championship team. So I, I disagree with that notion. I think that Lowry was good tonight, even though his jump shot wasn't going. He was just trying to get a stuck-in-the-mud offense, unstuck, and without a lot of motion, without guys moving, without guys hitting shots, it's hard to create for guys. And like I said earlier in the podcast, there was a lot of really creative passes he made to just get the guys the ball right in the middle of the paint for layups. I thought he did a fantastic job creating tonight in an offense that really had very little motion and that didn't seem to be his fault in this one. It's just things are in a little bit of a funk. And like I said six times already, it seemed like necessary action from Lowry to get this offense going and churning and to just manufacture some points down the stretch. But I could be wrong. You could be right. Thank you for commenting, Aaron Franklin. Thank you for listening, listener. I hope you've enjoyed this. I certainly did. Um, I didn't enjoy the game that much, but a Raptors win is a Raptors win. Whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.